0: Hello and welcome to the American Peloton. I am Jonathan Crane. I'm a mediocre Cat 2 cyclist out of Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm Ben.
1: I am a former elite mountain biker, current head coach at Skyway Cycling, and team director at Skyway Domestique. We're going to start local and go national.
0: We're also going to start now and then go back in time. Since our last episode was all about NCL, we've got plenty of non-NCL stuff, uh, kind of a backlog to, to talk about and get through. A lot of racing in America. This last weekend, everybody was kind of spread out. It was a lot of local racing. There wasn't one big central thing, but we did see a lot of the national teams kind of like racing in their own regional stuff. Um, our local crit series, I just got to shout this out too. Our local crit series started up week ago Thursday. Temple of Zoom, really excited about those races. And we had a couple kids from the EF Education First development team out there. Uh, one of our dudes, Alex, got on the podium, but really high quality race here locally.
1: Yeah, we have a pretty decent talent pool in our little community. And so, like, I, I can tell you that I did in the A race 280 watts average for that 45 minutes, which mm-hmm. is right around four two watts per kilo for me. So, like, crazy fast, hard racing for a local race. It was super exciting to, like, just have a hard race and, like, have to race it, you know? And those EF kids are super strong. Yeah, it's um,
0: it's awesome to have that in town and to have those guys. That race would have been even harder. It got po- postponed for weather, but it would have been even harder had it been the week before because a bunch of the Milligan guys, including AMA Insick, national champion, were in town and signed up. So that would have been <laughs> that would have been a yeah. ridiculous race. That but
1: would I have been a think national race in yeah a, in a, like a parking lot in Birmingham, Alabama.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, it already was pretty pretty national with uh, a couple of EF kits, EF development
1: team uh, kits out yeah. there. And but the, the junior development, want to specify that. It's the junior development. So, like, yeah, EF has, like, a pipeline now. So, where a lot of UCI World Tour teams will have an under-23 feeder team. So, EF now has the junior feeder team that feeds into the under-23 that feeds into the World Tour team. to to clarify what ef we're talking about
0: right yeah it wasn't uh Craddock out there or anything but although you know as these races start start coming up across the the country you do see him at like driveway sometimes um but speaking of like ama insect and the milligan guys they were out at north beast right yeah i think they did the collegiate stuff out there so this past weekend um a bunch of the guys on our team went out to North, the North Beast Classic, which is not a new race, but that's a new name for that race. What did that used to be called?
1: No, so that, that race weekend is replacing the Georgia Tech weekend. Oh, so got it. That, so it so is a new race. What the, the, confu- the thing there is, so Tour of North Georgia, Tonga, they are using some of the old Tonga courses that Tonga doesn't use now. Gotcha. So the the Habersham County High School course and whatever crit course they use used to be Tonga courses, and now they're just reusing those courses. So some of our guys were out at this race,
0: but the big story here is that Ride Bikes just like absolutely destroyed uh, Matt Govero, who we have mentioned on this podcast pretty consistently won the gc um i also like from looking at their pictures here noticed that lucas strain who i raced with a decent bit last year but really strong guy really strong track racer he's um he's also on ride bikes this year so they're they're getting out there early and getting some wins but it looks like they're poised to
1: continue upping their game this year yeah uh, yeah, they've been wanting to look out for, um, we kind of mentioned it earlier this year, like they're a team, they're going to be a sleeper team this year. And I think, um, I think they're proven to punch a little bit above their weight, um, already.
0: Yeah, I think so. This, uh, they ripped that North beast race apart. There were a lot of really strong guys that like we were, we were in our team's group chat talking about, um, how the race was going for our guys. And y- you said you were seeing. Multiple strong riders like uploading their Strava files before the race was over. So you could kind of like <laughs> see in real time like who was getting spat and heading heading back to the car. And it was yeah. like all because Ride Bikes was doing it. Yeah.
1: And I want to point out to also add legitimacy to the result, if you click that picture there, um, the guy in like the high vis jacket um on the podium picture, uh Matt Winstead, he is like a master's like 35 to 40 or 40 to 45 um age group national champion this year um for like the time trial so the the race they had in albuquerque he won that one the national championship so to add some legitimacy to that podium like you have right you know matt and brock from ride bikes and you have like a national an active national champion um on that podium as well and then in third paceline project is one of those like really strong like one two teams that are local that just like rip a lot of our local races apart so yeah you're definitely gonna see like Paceline project is gonna have a full squad at like twilight
0: uh sunny king a lot of the southeast like pro one two level stuff always a really strong squad they normally dominate georgia cross too which is a really strong series um while we're on just like kind of giving shout outs to sort of the localish races that happened the people who won davy dawson who was on this youtube channel um about a year ago basically doing like the proto version of what this podcast would become just kind of talking about the american racing scene he races for automatic racing has for a few years but he got a win out at randall's island which is the the recurring basically like the new york city cbr equivalent you know like the recurring weekend um crit so he's been coming back from injury and a lot of strong guys there as well uh good guys racing with a a big squad a, a team that you would recognize from usa crits or acc more recently but
1: yeah big win for him good to see him coming back from all the injuries he's had I guess it's confirmed that automatic is on BMC this year based off that bike picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely are. Um don't those um don't those New York races start like ungodly early? Like
0: No, you're thinking of those are the weekday ones. They have oh, uh okay, okay. weekday ones in one of the parks. It might be they might have them in Prospect Park and Central Park, but there are definitely park races that are like weekday races that yeah, start at like I don't know, five a.m., four a.m., like before the sun is up. Sometimes, which is yeah, no insane. Fan. No, these are out on <laughs> Randall's Island, which is gotcha, a little bit out from the city. Um, for any like you know real YouTube he- heads, that guy Claudio Marquez has some of uh, some videos from these races. It looks like a fun course. I really like. You can sort of see it in the background of the picture we're looking at here. I really like how this course is like. A paved course, and there's no curb on the sides, so it's kind of a meandering crit course, but if you totally blow one of these corners, you can just roll off into the grass that is like flush with the level of pavement. I yeah. feel like a lot of um cities, ours included, would benefit from just in some park, just like pave a little loop, just pave like a a here's the real thing: pave a two point five k loop in your park flush at grade, no curbs, and then make it a dedicated exercise loop. You can run bike races on it whenever. You can run crits on it whenever, and it's, like, super safe for low-stakes crit racing to kind of let people get their skills up. And then you can also just do two laps of it as a 5K. So, like, you want to have a 5K series? That's where the money's at. People love a
1: 5K. There's a 5K every weekend in Birmingham. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you want to make your investment back, just run like a city produced five K like every two weeks. And exactly. Two hundred people every other Saturday
0: racing it. That is what I'm trying to sell to Temple of Zoom. So we've got a dedicated the city basically bought an old Shriner Temple and that's where we're running these that's why it's called Temple of Zoom these races. But I'm trying to um pitch to the city of Irondale that they need to uh invest in a 2.5k loop when they do. Their plan is to redevelop redevelop that area as like a sports recreation community center type zone. And I'm like, look, just put put a 2.5k paved loop on there. Yep. Um, while we're moving through the races, sort of local-ish stuff, um, the confusingly la- named um, American Cycling, which is the new team that sort of took the half of best buddies that didn't go to an NCL team or um, an NCL team or a Legion adjacent team, sort of the other half of best buddies and then picked up some guys from the Emmanuel Eberry. So some of the um, South and Central American guys, but it's called American cycling. I guess that's an all inclusive America, but they had a race down in Miami um over the weekend that they seems like they just crushed i think they were wo- definitely won the race but maybe had two or even three guys on the podium there
1: they lapped the field um okay. like so like, i guess they like as a team collectively got away and nobody was able to pull them Ooh. back so like they they lapped the field and then like just all were on the podium so yeah do- like dominated um i mean that's all you can say when so- that happens right <laughs>
0: right and it's not like there was nobody there it looks like so we're we're looking at their instagram post uh one of their guys posting up they're also on bmc so i guess bmc is going all in on american crit racing b apparently bmc has gone from the choice bike of the like uh time trialing dentist to they're trying to position themselves as the american crit bike now i don't know i feel like you know specialized delay and the cad 13 kind of have the market cornered on that for real but
1: they're gonna I need appreciate bmc
0: bike. for trying
1: yeah. yeah they're gonna need like a two and a half thousand dollar aluminum bike and then like they'll they'll win the whole market right totally
0: i honestly know the the thing that will win the crit bike market is the first one of these companies to make a aggressive geometry so, like an Alley, aluminum bike, and spec it with a mechanical Chinese group set. Because those yeah. things work. I mean, especially the, like, Sensa, and they're so cheap. Like, if you fall and bust a Sensa shifter, it's, like, it's no big deal. Just grab another one. It's probably less than 100 bucks for a single shifter.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's, like, an off-season episode we do where we, like, collectively just, like, build a crit bike for like a beginner or something. Like maybe yeah. that's like an off season episode where we just nerd into like all of the like super affordable options that only someone who's like been involved in this for like a million years knows about. Right. Yeah, I love that. So everybody
0: bookmark that in your mind off season uh when that comes back around, we're coming back to that. I do want to mention here there's we're looking at this photo. There's a little bit of shade in the comments. Uh it looks like it's not a thing where, you know, the pro team showed up to the local crit and just lapped up because there was nobody there. It looks like Danny Estevez, who's on the other, another other Miami team, Miami Blazers, not the Miami Knights from NCL. But uh, Danny, so the caption says, uh, separating the men from the boys. And Danny Estevez says, I guess I'm a boy, laughing, <laughs> a, laughing sweating emoji. But oh gosh. <laughs> I guess that means Danny Estevez was there, but a little bit of shade there but it seems like that's all in good fun
1: yeah i mean like he was probably solo right and then like you have like which is weird yeah it's like because he's on a my, miami quote-unquote team but most of those guys don't live in miami yeah so if he's solo and then it's like oh well you're in the blazers kit like you're the one doing the work now and so that that's one of those things where like politics in the peloton and like team dynamics end up working against a solo rider because like yep he may have been solo but because he was wearing a particular team kit people were like i'm not working with you yeah
0: everybody knows who he is and everybody knows that he's strong so they're not gonna let him get away and then he doesn't have teammates to set him up or whatever it is this is i'm realizing what is weird to me about the american cycling name it's that American Cycling, I think, has more guys that live in Miami than Miami Knights or Miami Blazers. And then Miami is the only city that has multiple crit teams with the city name in the name. That tracks.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's um, all. That's a weird dynamic. But yeah, that totally tracks.
0: Yeah, that's a whole weird... Somebody
1: fact check me on there. Somebody somebody in the chat. But even at that point, Miami is not like a crazy race hub either. Like, right? It's, just, it's like this weird thing where it's like, if I mean, it they was, have
0: they have a scene in Miami, but it's also yeah. not like it's not the hotbed. It would make more sense if it was like two teams from Boulder or something,
1: right? Or even Los Angeles or whatever. Like, yeah. just the Miami thing like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they don't have like a huge national level race scene there.
0: Yeah, there used to be guys from um the team that was sponsored by Chinelli, I think they were called Rush at some point. I think they changed. Yeah. They they changed titles a couple of times, but they used to come up to like tour of North Georgia and stuff to race, which always made me think there must not be cuz I I would not drive like 10 hours out of Florida if there was racing I could do somewhere on the Florida, you know. Yeah. That made me think that they didn't have a ton of racing. If they were coming up to our, like, you know, Tour of North Georgia is a good race, but it's not like, it's not like you're making the drive for Athens or something, you know? I expect people to, like, fly in for that.
1: Right, yeah. But, I mean, like, that's why we don't go to Florida to race, is because why would I drive six hours to Gainesville when I can go 45 minutes to Somatanga? Right. Or whatever Like, yeah, so they, at least when rush cycling was a thing, there wasn't a whole lot of racing. Um yeah just how it is yeah it's uh uh,
0: i had something else on that but i've lost it but I'm, i'm gonna move on to uh cbr we had another cbr which a bunch of people sent me this so i think you know we're not the only ones paying attention to cbr shout out also to ray mars who's doing these streams on his channel he um he's been like engaged and commenting on these videos but the production on these is like getting better and better every week. Yep. But so Legion Legion was out at the CBR this week and shockingly, surprisingly, uh, Legion got upset. They had, it looked to me like they had two or three guys in here and we were debating Ben and I both like watched the finish and were like, you know, trying to trying to figure out who was who before the results had come out. We weren't sure if it was, cj or maybe dante who who did the lead out but they didn't have a full squad we haven't seen legion like kind of all together in one place yet but they had multiple people and they they kind of got rolled
1: yeah um
0: this guy chris hildreth who's on team six which i immediately sent it to ben and was like hey some random dude on some team i've never heard of uh just just beat Corey in a in a heads up sprint, which I think was a fair qualification of what happened. I don't know, you watched it. What did what did you think?
1: Well I only watched it. So like when you texted me, I was like sorting firewood or something. And I looked and I saw and I like immediately stopped and like watched it. And yeah, it was like a pretty much a heads up group sprint. Now there was like a little bit of weirdness because there was a break that came back in that last lap. So like I don't know if there's a little bit of confusion with that maybe going on, but like by the time it was 250 meters to go, it was pretty straightforward, a group sprint. And um, Chris, yeah, just rolled over the top of Corey. I mean, just that simple.
0: Yeah, so there was a break of like two riders on the same team in the last lap. And then Legion, like I said, they didn't have as many guys, but they burned someone, I think maybe Justin, to pull that back. And then they didn't have a full lead out for the finish. We're watching it right now, though. That was pretty much just a straight-up sprint. This yeah. dude from Team 6 just, I mean, he kind of did the impossible there. We've seen for years every team is is trying to go head-to-head with Legion. So immediately we're like, who is Team 6? They're sponsored by YouTube TV. Um, they were formerly like an elite Masters team, and they've just kind of like moved up a level to to like a... What did you say? Like pro Conti or like
1: a level below that? Like US, like elite? Domestic elite or something. Domestic elite, yeah. But like, I was like, who is this guy? And I kept doing more research and I figured out. So, Chris Hildreth, um, his handle on Instagram is window liquor with no vowels, like the aphex twin song. Right. And um, he's got like several viral reels. Like, he runs onboard cameras and just like his reels are just showing like um crit chaos like not he's like, like a trash guy porn. is he like yeah. a crash guy i mean sorry no. a track guy maybe but like he's not showing like crash porn he's just showing a lot of like bumping and moving around like this is very hectic and he's got several viral reels so like that kind of like immediately was like okay like this is like super legit um and it's just crazy to see like that kind of result um he, i know he's been racing for a while
0: Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, that's like, I don't think that this is, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, Legion is like off their game and like Corey's terrible right now or something. Uh, This is one of the things I like about cycling, though, is that like, you know, sometimes the pawn can can beat the king in in the correct scenario, you know, things set up just right for him. And I think maybe team six was benefiting from being a new team and no one recognizes the kit or like a new iteration of a team that's been around. They're kind of like stepping up a level. Yeah. So I think they were maybe benefiting from, uh, from the fact that like people were, I don't want to say not chasing him, but yeah, that was awesome to see. That's, that's one of the things I love about cycling is that it is like, it's possible to have like a crazy upset. If you, get all of the timing right and a little bit of luck falls your way and you're really strong. But I think this also, this feeds into something we were kind of talking about in the green room, which is that Legion, um, they've got kind of a, uh, we haven't seen them all in the same place the way that we've seen all these other teams, even if they're not doing the biggest races, like ride bikes, they're, they're like fielding squads that are full squads at some of these smaller races, kind of tuning up. I think what we're seeing here is that Legion is looking at a lot longer of a season than some of these other teams. Like I don't think Legion has kind of like early season goals.
1: Yeah. Um, it just seems like maybe they start picking up really racing in May. Probably like yeah. maybe speed week is when they all form together finally. Cause the, the C R so the CRT thing, which is yeah, secret like we know it's the Legion thing, even if it's not announced, right? Like, yeah. officially yet like to go back to
0: over. right if if people haven't listened to our sort of like crit season preview episodes our first couple of episodes uh C, CRT we don't even know what it like stands for but that's the rumored there are dates floating around and there's something that was shared to us from multiple different sources that are it's the same note that has the same dates all labeled as CRT There's supposedly new races that are all like the next extension of the into the lion's den race thing. And they're all like extremely late in the season. They're like like like,
1: cyclocross season, basically like October. It's like the last two weeks of September and last few weeks of October. Like it's crazy late. And like it's March. It's too late. I'm going to say that I cyclocross (laughs) season. Get out of there. (laughs) I step off. I agree. But it's like if you're a legion and that's your series, you're obviously going to peak in October for that series. Yeah. And it's April. Like there's no, there's no reason for them to be even racing that hard yet. So
0: yeah. And when we first, yeah.
1: When we first talked about
0: that, my theory was that maybe we would see them early season and then they would kind of like dip out in the hottest part of summer and come back. Like they would almost do two peaks, but it seems like that's not, that's not what they're going for. They're going to try to do a, a, a much slower build this year into um, their own
1: series, which still has not been officially announced. But yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Seems like they're all in on that. And I mean, even Austin Aviators like just did a team camp last week. So I right. mean, they're they're just now like starting to put together everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Aviators is um, Aviators is like the new.
0: There was Legion of LA, and then there was Miami Blazers, and now there is Austin Aviators. So this is their kind of slow ramping up, building these teams up to having an entire league of, you know, kind of the same thing as NCL, where they want to have uh, teams with, like, geographically based teams, like other sports leagues that, um like, are, are in the same league or whatever, like, are competing against each other the weird thing and this may also be true of ncl i don't know yet because we're not going to go deep on ncl this time but the frustrating thing about ncl is that it's all uh very vague but at least with legion like all the teams are owned by the same group which includes people from legion so it's like if tom brady owned four nfl teams and and was still quarterbacking like it's
1: it's a weird it's a weird setup. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is it it's a vibe where it's like they like you're not going to chop the guy who writes your paycheck. You know, like so it's yeah. this weird like Legion is still like the head dog like you're not going to see like Aviators or Miami Blazers like sort of deliberately like overtake and like race them aggressively. But
0: and maybe they will in their own series but i didn't feel like we saw like we last year we didn't really see the blazers train battling the legion train the way that we saw best buddies battling the legion train you know right but we saw we saw blazers there but they were kind of just like waiting for an opening to open up if it did they weren't so i'm excited this year Blazers is still a thing, but a lot of the guys who were on Blazers last year have moved over to NCL teams, most notably like a clever Martinez. So yeah. I'm excited to see like a completely not even just off the leash, but like like promoting series that are at odds with each other and then racing in national races that are not part of either series against each other, like fully head
1: to head. I think there's going to be some like crazy tension there. Like, yeah. Part of me is really excited to watch them go head to head because there's going to be like the Denver Disruptors train and the uh, Miami Knights train and the Legion train all like going like trying to go three wide into corners. Like I think that we're going to see that sort of dynamic and that's really exciting to me is seeing like a bunch of teams riding super aggressive and super hard, not aggressive in a bad way. Like yeah. when your basketball coach says be aggressive, like that sort of like be motivated like that sort of dynamic where you don't have one team just drilling it the whole time is like I think gonna make crit racing this year way more interesting and exciting to watch than it has been the last two years.
0: Yeah. I I agree. I'm I'm excited to see I'm really most excited to see the races that are like not NCL and not CRT so that we see teams from both like both of those leagues so that we're seeing like legion blazers aviators miami knights uh denver disruptors and uh automatic racing like it's going to be that's (laughs) going to be like where the venn diagram completely overlaps and we really have uh, so like the existence of ncl and crt is making me more excited for acc
1: races (laughs) oh right that's the thing It's like a rising tide, like lifts all ships kind of thing where Legion, like Legion doing what they did raised the level and professionalism of crit racing to an extent that teams had to catch up. Now I think we're getting to a point where teams are, if not caught up already, starting to catch up. And I think we're going to see this year where Legion's not as dominant and like teams are able to compete with their train and like actually like, just being more of a race and like just being more aggressive, like sort of back like in that you remember that gray area, like after the blue train with UHC and before the Legion train where you get these crazy breakaways and yeah, racing was super exciting in that little period.
0: Like you could have a, that That was when you could have like a a freelance Frank Trevieso lap the field solo or something just like, right wild kind of any anything could happen at any point racing and I, it's going to be more like that this year um yeah uh, also like again we're not going to go super into ncl this time but we do have to mention that our last episode was all ncl we had gabe mendez from miami Knights on shout out gabe shout out to ncl for letting us have him on we we kept asking like what are we allowed to ask him about we don't want to be like you know we wanted to put the hard questions to him but Yep. we also uh, we didn't want to like say stuff that we were gonna have to edit out later or something, and they were right. cool about it. They
1: let us say whatever. So yeah. you know, there wasn't a ups. single thing like there wasn't yeah. a single thing that we had to take out. Like we we're like, hey, this is the podcast, and their media guy was like, thumbs up, this is good. Yeah, out. Yeah. There were like, some so questions that out. Gabe
0: couldn't answer, but you know, yeah. that's that is what that's fair. You know, we were we were asking some. Some things I didn't expect him to be able to answer. But the day after we put out that podcast, they released this new website. So scrolling around on the new website, you know, we gave them a lot of guff for their old website. This one does look a little bit better. It looks pretty pro. It's got um a little bit more clarity around like who the sponsors are and stuff. There's not really any information here though that like I think the podcast we did last time with Gabe had more like actual information than this new website does other than something that I did. I made a post about on this channel, which is that the races are going to be on GCN. So that's, we've been questioning where and how we would be able to watch these. We're going to be watching them on GCN. So yeah, I'm going to have to buy a GCN plus membership now. (laughs) Uh, how many how many people can log in at the same time? I'll give you
1: I'll give you mine. <laughs> can I say that on the podcast? <laughs> That's gonna do the Netflix thing. GCN's gonna ban your account now.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know what the limits on the uh GCN uh like how many logins you can have at the same time or whatever, what the parameters are. Uh the only other thing I wanted to mention about NCL, and I think we we kind of like touched on this in the past because the schedules of the teams were already out there. Is that the the two endemic teams to NCL don't have identical schedules? Obviously, both of them are doing all the NCL races, but other than that, like only one of them is going to Speed Week, only one of them is going to Tour of America's Dairyland, I think. But the way yeah. they've done it, we talked about this like in the green room or whatever, uh, just like on text. That's kind of what this podcast is. It's like stuff that we. Would normally just text about, and I'm like, we should talk about that on the podcast. Uh, Their schedules overlap in a way that neither team is doing all of the ACC. And I assume if they're allowed at CRT, the Legion series, that'll be the same. Like, neither team will do the entire. So they're like getting the benefit of having NCL teams represented at all of those like established races because ACC does have the most established historic races of any of the series. They've got your Athens Twilights, your uh Salt Lake Cities, that that kind of stuff. Um so they're getting the benefit of having their teams there, but they're not giving ACC the like season long sort of like story arc benefit of having consistent teams. So I wonder if that's going to be a next step for ACC. And I know that was a goal of USA crits and they actually had to back it down a few years ago, but but to like close those races off and say like, once you're in the league, you're in the league. And I think that's what everyone is building to, but it's a question of who's going to get there first, like a, a sort of like closed, you know, like the NBA only has so many teams. Like I can't start a basketball team and go into the NBA, you know? Right and it's not even like uh it's not even like football like uh European football where there's a relegation system it's those leagues are like it's a league and these are the teams and this is the structure. I think that's what all of the cycling leagues are trying to get to except for mm-hmm. ACC maybe
1: I think maybe so like you you're gonna know this reference because you live here and we're we're big with um, the football thing in Alabama. So, like, you have the NFL, and then there's a completely unrelated, same rules to the sport, league, the XFL. And, like, Birmingham has an XFL team, right? No, that's
0: called, um. okay, it used to be XFL. It's, the new one is a different thing, AFL. AFL, okay, yeah. So, NFL and AFL? XFL was the 90s one that was, like, it was like real life NFL blitz where they, it was like, oh, uh, shit. okay. Yeah. The, yeah. It was You're the right. guy from wrestling. What's uh, Vince McMahon. <laughs> it was like his, his, we, we did have an XFL team though. The Birmingham bolts, which that if anybody that tracks, finds like Birmingham, Birmingham. bolts, mo- merch yeah. on, on eBay, <laughs> send me a link. But
1: so, okay. Okay. So NFL and AFL, like same, like team size and dynamics and everything, but same sport different league that operates on a whole separate like the xf the, the afl is not a feeder to the nfl right yeah they're just totally so separate entities that's what we're going to end up seeing between ncl and crt is like and what's going to happen is eventually like kind of what you're suggesting i think is you're either going to be bought into the ncl or bought into crt and you're not going to be able to do both Like unless you just have the budget to pay for both or however that ends up working. See, I think we're gonna get to a
0: point where they're gonna make them mutually exclusive. Like they're gonna make it a deal where you're like paying up front to be this is what USA Crits was was like working toward. I know. There was a year where USA Crits was doing a thing where like if your team wants to be a USA Crits team, you have to pay the fee to be a USA crits team, but that includes your race entries. It also includes like host housing housing that they were setting up. Okay. A, some kind of travel stipend or something. But I think you had to do a certain number of of their races to to be a part of that deal or or at least like it would behoove you to do them because you had already paid for them. And if you were freelancing, if you were not on one of those teams, you couldn't just show up that day and sign up for the the pro race. There was a pro one two race or even pro one two three something, but that was separate from the like league race, so a lot of yeah. Cat one guys got mad because they were like, "You know, I'm just as good as whoever, and I gotta race the the scrub race with with me." They were mad they had to race my race. I was mad they had to race my race. I don't want to race yeah. them. Right, right. Um But a lot of them got really mad. And I think that this was like the final year that USA crits was a thing, so like 18 or 19. But I think they backed off that because so many high level guys who just like hadn't gotten they were kind of on their own like privateer freelancing situation teams. They were, you know, mad they couldn't race whatever it was, like
1: yeah. Twilight, the, the premier race or whatever. But, I mean, that's what happens in other sports, though, right? So, like, I don't, like, you and I have had a, dis- I think it was in private, a discussion, deliberation about this where we were talking about, like, individuals who were mad about not being able to participate in the USA Crits races because they weren't on a USA Crits team, yeah. but they had their their pro card or their one card. Um, yeah. like in my opinion, which is a little bit different, like, yeah, like it's a league. If you're not on a team that participates in the league, you don't get to erase it. Right. And like, and I think it's sort of this, it creates a forced professionalism where like any of those eight or nine guys who didn't find a team could have like reached out to each other, come together. Like they all have industry connections, like just like cobbled. Yeah, together they could have made team. a team. Yeah. They could have done it and chose not to, right? Or right. maybe they didn't actively choose not to, but you know what I'm saying. Like they didn't yeah. do it. So it's like it is like a forced professionalism aspect where it's like this is yeah, the pro league. It also makes it, it not.
0: like uh, not that people are not trying to get on teams. Obviously, like there are more people trying to get on teams probably than there are high level teams out there. Yeah, but it just makes it where those those spots on those whatever eight or nine teams that are doing these leagues, and maybe it's more if there's like eight or nine teams in this league, eight or nine teams in this league, whatever, but like those spots are automatically kind of like elevated above because right now, like uh, cat one teams, the, the thing that separates them is their budget. Like what what sponsors yeah. do they have? But it, it could be a thing where it maybe a team with a smaller budget, is dedicating themselves to being, like, the, you know, a, a California team is, like, we're going to be the CRT team. We're going to be whatever, Tayroon Elite. We're going to go in all in on on CRT. And if you want to race CRT, you try to get on that team, you know? Yeah.
1: I think, I mean, I think that's a reasonable thing for the future.
0: Yeah, I could see a like... benefit to that.
1: UCI World Tour, like, you know, you can't be a pro and just show up and race the Tour de France for zero, right? Yeah. Like, that's not a thing. But, like, nobody complains about not being able to do that, right? So it's it's, but, it's, it's an expectation thing. Yeah. So, and there's the, um, the UCI Pro. So you have World Tour UCI Pro, which is, like, there's a new relegation battle where, like, You can be a UCI pro team and get invited to a world tour race, right? Yeah. So, like, and then there's UCI Continental, which same thing a UCI Continental team can be invited to a UCI pro race or however that ends up working. Um, Yeah. Maybe maybe that's a a similar model that we feed some of these leagues, right?
0: I I actually really like a, a model where each of these races has like two wildcard spots so they can give whatever is sort of like the local elite team kind of the way, you know, your, your, uh, Nippo Vini Fantini or whatever, like weird little Italian team, always Bardiani CF CSF, like teams like that always get into the, um, the Giro so they can kind of like race the biggest race in their home. Um, I like that idea where there's, it's sort of a closed league and there's like one or two wild card spots per race. And they kind of go, um, to, uh, whoever makes the most sense, be that, uh, like the high level local team or, or someone else who sort of petitions them. Like, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's someone who makes the case that they're the Uno X of, of American pro racing or, or American, <laughs> you know, they're like yeah. kind of a cut above all the other race, all, all the other teams that are on, the same level with them and they say hey we're not we don't have the budget to be in any of these leagues but we're close to this race and we would like to do this one give us the wild card yeah
1: i think that makes sense and i think like as a long-term thing you just see like the level of teams and races get a little bit higher because there's if there's only 170 available slots to be a pro bike racer in america then, like, or to be the, the American version of Pro, which is like racing yeah. these
0: crits, yeah,
1: yeah, same whatever That's, that is, yeah, so like then you have rider 171, rider 172, 73 that are on that level, but maybe didn't get a spot on a team that year, racing yeah. at that next level down, which takes those ones and twos that are on that same team, riding with someone who's on that level, right, um, building them up and so you just kind of like you just kind of feed it and that's and i think that's a long-term goal to increase the level of professionalism that we kind of need to make crit like crit racing sustainable long term in america right to
0: make it like desirable right to make it something that like exists on all levels so i think yeah like the the temple of zoom stuff on the on the very small local end has to exist to like get people pulled into the sport and excited about it and then there it has to like funnel up there has to be a complete funnel that goes up to this pinnacle that people are aspiring to yep in a way that like there's not kind of a a complete path that exists right now but so the talking about professionalism made me think of another thing I got on my agenda which like has has struck our team, or, or you know, as we're looking around for races to do, there's we're kind of going backwards in terms of professionalism with all these races that are, they are multiple race events. They're three-race weekends with, like, a road race, a time trial, and a crit, or a road race, a circuit race, and, and a crit, whatever it is. And they're not stage races, and they're not omniums. They're just multiple races that are disconnected for some reason. And I'm kind of, I'm partially asking the chat right now, is that nationwide or is that a Southeast thing that's happening, like, in the last couple of years? Every race just no longer has a GC or no longer has an overall?
1: As the chat is kind of, like, hopefully there's somebody in here acknowledging that. But, yeah. like, what, I, what I'm noticing, like, Auburn last year it wasn't an omnium but like even when it was an omnium you'd go to the road race and there'd be 60 70 people on every road race and then yep 7 to 12 people would sign up for the time trial and then 60 or 70 people would show up for the crit the next day right yep so like there's there's a weird thing where no one wants to time trial and so i think organizers i want a time trial i'm That's the only thing I'm good at. You know what?
0: (laughs) I've I've turned around on that in the last couple of years. Like during COVID, when I think one of the only races that happened in Alabama in 2020 was the Sprott Time Trial. I like forced myself to get a little bit better. There's a video on this channel about it. Go back and watch it. But yeah, yeah, I forced myself to learn about time to become decent at time trialing. But I'm certainly guilty in the past of being the time trial skipper. But I guess in a world where we're still having the time trial, though. This is what's That's, baffling to me. Yeah. It's like, we still have... It used to be that the, the impetus, the like... If you're, not, if you're not Ben, if you're like me, and you're someone who doesn't necessarily love to time trial, or maybe doesn't have a time trial bike, or whatever, the thing that would get you to do the time trial is the fact that it counted toward the overall. So if you did okay in the first race even if you're a terrible time trialist, everyone would delude themselves and be like, oh, today's my day. I did all right. I can just hang in the time trial. And that's like why you would do the time trial is to, to yeah. get into the overall results.
1: So here's... Right. Here's where I'm thinking the disconnect is. If time trial results gave you upgrade points, I'd be a cat one by now. Right? So like, you know that That's the issue, and so everybody right now, like i' I have the same opinion for everything across the board when it comes to leveling up and upgrading, whether you're in bike racing or you're in Boy Scouts, trying to get your Eagle Scout. like everybody is so focused on upgrade points right now, getting into yeah. everyone I talk to is like, oh, I'm doing this race for points, I'm doing this race for points right. trying to get points and I mean so, points are kind of the game, you know like yeah.
0: that is that is the that's the system of like amateur racing. That's yep. what you're, it's like the, um, the RPG mechanic of it. That's how you're like, that's your XP or whatever. That's your right. system of like
1: gathering yeah, something like I have five more points left to my cat three. I got two more right. points with my two or whatever it is. Right. And so then, so the time trial doesn't give you upgrade points, which I think is ridiculous because it's a true fitness test, right? Like if you can do 5.2 Watts per kilo for 20 minutes, you don't need to be a cat five, right? Period. No, unless you just can't corner a bike, but I mean, the um, then the omnium doesn't give you upgrade points either. So by skipping the time trial, you're saving thirty dollars, and because there's no omnium upgrade uh, points anyways. So there used to be omnium upgrade points,
0: like when I was okay coming up through the. I'm a two now, and I have no desire to go to one because, like, most every race is a pro one two. I get to race with the pros and the ones all the time. And the few times they do separate it out to a two race. I need to be racing like the other guys that have full-time jobs. So I'm, I'm done with this climb. So I quit kind of like paying attention to the system. But when I was coming up like Omniums, I know stage races did, but I'm pretty sure also Omniums like an Omnium finish was additionally, like if you were, there was a system, you know, if like, 50 people finished the Omnium and you were third, that was giving you
1: points. As far as I know, that's not the case anymore. I, I, I this, could be wrong.
0: No, the because, whole system has changed a couple yeah. of times since I came up as well. Um, yeah, Ray Mars mentioned mentioned him earlier, gave him a shout out earlier when we were talking about the CBR races, but he says the only stage race in SoCal other than Redlands just got downgraded, downgraded to an Omnium, so they're, they're on the same slippery slope that we are. We're just like farther down
1: the slope, yeah. I guess, on this coast. But I'm not mad about amateur races being an Omnium because, like, we've had this conversation where if it's an Omnium and you have an, someone who's like, like a crazy big team like us or like someone who's abnormally fit can like go and take two, three, four minutes, right? And then because our courses aren't hard enough, there's no way to gain that time back, but an yeah. omnium because it's points based. You can make up those points.
0: I think almost anything w- where one of the stages is a crit, like those normally benefit from being an omnium rather than right. a stage race. Again, with the exception of Redlands, there was that year at Redlands that um, uh, what is his name? He's on Butcherbox now. He was on Legion. He was on uh, Semper Poro before that. He was in i I raced with him at um last year in Nashville at the Nashville like weeknight crit. Oh. oh, cannot think of his name but there was the year that he was on Semper Poro where he won Redlands by lapping the field in the crit but like or er, stage he lapped the field in a lapped short race and that was how he yeah. took all of his time but like that's the only ex, the only time I can think of where in a stage race the crit result played into a significant like really, really large time difference that ended up deciding the GC. And like
1: that has stuck in my brain because it was such an outlier. Right. So like that's where I think an Omnium is strong because it sort of levels the playing field a little bit. Corey Lockwood. Thank you, Ray. (laughs) That was driving me nuts.
0: I kept, I kept going Corey and then Williams. And it was like, it's not, that's not who it was. It was a,
1: another I kept thinking employee. it was Tyler Williams, too. And I was like, I know it's not Tyler Williams. And I was like, drawn to black. Yeah, Corey Lockwood. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. So Chainless TV is saying, we have a few Omnium weekends in NorCal, but they're like optional Omniums. I think the promoters think more will reg if they don't need to do every stage. Yeah. That's- the, that's the thing we're having an issue with is people... Because there's no like upgrade points for the time trial and no omni upgrade points, there's no motivator, there's no incentive
0: to do, to do the whole
1: thing. Yeah, there's not. It's more
0: money, it's more time invested. It's like cheaper and easier to not do that,
1: mm-hmm. right? Um,
0: yeah, I'm that's I, just like a phenomenon that's been. It's been especially acute this year, like a lot of races that used to be, well, I'll talk, we're talking, like, in our group chat about, like, oh, how did so-and-so race go that one of our guys went and did, and I'll ask who won the overall, and they're like, oh, there was no overall. Like, that's probably been said five times
1: this year. Every race this year, there's been, oh, there's no overall, and it's like, there were three races, like. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Those used to be omniums. Yeah, and it does
0: seem like, especially if you're not, maybe promoters don't want to give an additional payout for the omnium. But like, you don't have to do that. If you gave points and no additional omnium payout, people yep. would do the omnium for the points. And it's literally just just another lot. Li- like the spreadsheet will do it for you. Like yeah. Excel
1: will just total that tally up. I mean think about it most cat four fives their sole goal is to get to threes so they can race in the pro one two threes and race like the big race so the i like, the only thing so if you provide that incentive early on like hey if you get third of the omnium you're going to get five six seven upgrade points yeah to go from four to three that's a third of your upgrade points for winning right. an omnium right so like that motivates people to do it because then in theory if you're super strong you can get from four to three in one race weekend.
0: It's also like nobody is winning an Omnium by luck. Like you have right. to put together multiple solid races and, you know, you have to not crash. You have to not make a tactical mistake. So yep. it makes sense to me that there would be some kind of like uh, incentive or bonus to do that. Right. All right. I want to move on. We got, like, a couple more things on the list. And I every time, I'm like, how are we going to make this an hour? And then I look right. up, and we're almost at an hour already. But right. it it always happens. So we didn't get a chance to cover this Tucson Bicycle Classic because we were – we talked about it a little bit with Gabe um, because they did it as part of their team camp. But, yeah, Tucson Bicycle Classic, that was kind of the the most – Together, we've seen everybody. So, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about what we saw there. Unsurprisingly, Project Echelon on top of the GC. Also, transition from our former topic, a race that actually is still a stage race does still have a GC. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of these teams made it one of their like, we're going to build our team camp around this race. We're actually going to like get ourselves there and do it as an early season tune up or focus or whatever. Cause it's got a GC. It's
1: like a real big race, you know? Yeah. Um, Project Echelon going one and three in the GC. Like that's, that's not surprising. I think we kind of said in our preview, like it would take a crazy upset for Project Echelon to not win almost yeah. every stage race. If this it's year? a stage
0: race. Yeah. Project Echelon is like the standard bearer. They're the team to beat
1: in, in a, in a stage race for sure this season. Yeah. And then, crazy enough, like, we talked about the NCL, like, yes, it's a crit format for the NCL races, but their teams are super stacked with, like, not crit endemic pros, and we see that right. going second on the GC, um, Reinhardt, Jans, van and Rensburg. hope I'm yes. pronouncing that correctly, <laughs> um, close to so enough. it's, like, going second on the GC, he's non American, um, he was on. He was on Quickstep. Yeah, Lotto. On, no, he wasn't on Quickstep. He was on MTN Quebeca. Quebec. Um, and then when they folded, he was on Lotto Sudal. So, like that was last year. So, and they now he's on an NCL a World team. tour team. Yeah, he's going from World Tour to NCL. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, is a like in South Africa, he won the South African um, road race national championships in twenty twenty two um and then was second in the national road race championships this year um has yeah. raced the Tour de France six times has raced the welta three times um so like that's the thing is with the ncl bringing over some of these super talented pro like world tour level guys you're gonna see some of them kind of trickle into these GC results um on some yep. of these bigger stage races
0: yeah and then like speaking of the ncl stuff so denver disruptors went two and four at this race both ncl teams did team camps that were kind of like based around this um doing this race as a part of the camp and uh so denver disruptors went two and four and then brian gomez from miami knights was sixth um Specialized Project 74 is a team that's like a California based team. Interesting to see them out there with a guy I don't know in the top 10. I'm just kind of glancing down to see who else. Uh, CS Velo had somebody in the top 10. Yeah, nothing else like super shocking there, but we are seeing the the NCL teams like holding their own on in these races that are non-NCL, which I'm going to move on from this, but did I say this already? I'm going to be on the uh, Criterium Nation podcast this coming week. No, you week. did not. Yeah. I did not say it, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry, Rob. Uh, yeah, so Criterium Nation is going to do a big NCL episode, and they have asked me to come on, I guess, in the wake of our NCL coverage, the Gabe interview. Again, if you want all of the actual info on NCL uh, go listen to our interview with Gabe and then listen for me on Criterium Nation this coming. At, we're recording it tomorrow. I'm not going to put Rob on the spot for when it comes out. But the next episode of Criterium Nation I will be on and we will be going really in depth on NCL. Um, the one other thing that we have to kind of like tie it all the way back to the first thing we talked about is that we had a couple of Americans in the top 10 also to tie it back to episode four, a couple Americans in the top 10 at Perry nice.
1: Yeah. Um, so we had was, um, in the GC, we had Nielsen palace rolling in sixth and Matteo Jorgensen rolling in eighth. And then in the final stage, like the hardest stage of the race, um, Matteo Jorgensen was fifth and Nielsen palace was rolling on sixth. Um, like Perry nice is one of two premier um, sort of grand tour prep stage races. It's you either go to Perry nice or you go to Toronto Adriatico to like prep for either the Giro or the tour. And all um, the big
0: stars were at Perry nice this year, I feel like. Oh,
1: for sure. Um, so
0: that's even more. It's not like the field was as split as it sometimes is. Like Perry nice was the, the premier race this year in yeah. terms of start list or whatever
1: and i mean even like mateo was wearing the young riders jersey for a lot of the race too like yeah so to see americans like sort of like at the top of the gc standings in a race that big is pretty phenomenal yeah. um especially one in the young riders jersey finally someone not taking seven years to figure out how to race in europe yeah um, so like the future's bright for mateo um and yeah. Nielsen's finally coming into his own and really taking that leadership uh, EF is role. finally coming into their own. Like yeah, EF is having a right. good
0: season finally. Yep. So I said to like tie it back to the first thing we talked about, the, the local crit here in Birmingham, and we had some EF junior development riders. There is a pipeline now from that literally our Thursday night crit. Guys coming from that are like directly connected to, you know, guys – on an American based team that are going top ten at Perry Nice. Yep. But it's like building that full connection that goes all the way up and not like losing
1: people along the way. Yeah. Um that's the thing As we're talking about funnels and pipelines and that's that's a full pipeline end to end there. And then figuring out how to fill out that crit funnel but just seeing like there's a going to be a you know i'm 16 and i'm really fast to getting into the world tour there's at least one solid pipeline out of america which i don't think we've had in maybe ever like maybe the u.s postal days yeah definitely not since
0: i've been i i literally like started racing right before lance went on oprah so not since i've been (laughs) racing has there been like a. A pipeline like that like Americans like competing at a high level and and having kind of a robust like interest in racing but then also success at the top at the top European level and I, I don't know we talk about it in a couple of ways I do I do think like something I talk about on this show a lot is I would like for it to be like for America to be in a place where going to Europe is like an option and a like style of career and not the only goal where like America yep. is a viable option. And there is a type of racer that wants to stay in America and race in America. But also because that is such a big scene, we are creating guys who are capable of going world tour.
1: Yeah. That, that's the, that's the caveat that like we want to make clear is that we want, Like a distinct American style of racing to be sustainable and professional in America, but also have this have juniors and young racers who are strong the access to get to the world tour if that's what they want to do.
0: Right. I want it to be more about interest, like in that type of racing, like grand tour racing is what would drive you. Like, we have a huge talent pool, and there are people who from that talent pool are like, I want to be a tour de France racer. And then people who are like, I want to be a criterium racer. Yep. Not, it's not like the crits are a stepping stone necessarily. They're more of a, um, like talent ID, but also they are, they can be their own thing. There can be their own end point kind of honestly, the way that cyclocross sort of used to be for guys like a Sven, Sven Ness, like, you used to be used to be able to aspire to be a cyclocross pro without wanting to go World Tour Road. That's what I would like to see um American Criterium Racing be. Like you can have a good
1: career doing that. Yeah. I think we're I mean, with the, the three Legion teams doing mm-hmm. what they do, I think they pay their riders a fair salary, um, allegedly. And the NCL teams paying their riders what they claim to pay is like aspiring to to get to that level where crits do pay right like yeah where crits can pay the bills and you can make rent racing crits um like i think i think we're going to get there in five years um mm. and so like it's just right now we're in a weird spot where everything is going super professional and eventually that's where the pay like we're making these investments now and the paychecks are going to come in five years. Yeah. Hopefully. I hope they don't,
0: I hope they don't all bounce at the same time. I think that's the, yep. that's my worry with the oversaturation of like up to three leagues potentially like vying for the same spot. Um, so we are, we're live on YouTube right now. If you're just listening to the podcast, we're doing these live on YouTube with the exception of the last interview, which, you know, Gabe had his own timetable. He needed to be on we're, glad to have him but i do want to be um able to engage with the chat a little bit more as part of this show so we did have one question come in that i want to get to maybe we make this like a segment at the end of the show where you know a good question that came in throughout we'll we'll answer it kind of last thing before we sign off um joe's guitar shop asks last half lap in a crit how do you stay ahead of the swarm and keep position in the top 5 i would say well, if, okay, if it's the last half of the lap and you're in the top five, you've already done the hardest part because getting position, really like starting to think about it up to like five laps to go and and find your position is the hardest part. But the swarming, the last half of the lap when the swarm happens, you just didn't start your sprint soon enough. Like, yeah, if people are are quote-unquote, swarming you in the final half of one lap. That's just a long sprint. That's not really a swarm, I would say.
1: I guess, like, the question, like, what, it, what are they struggling with, right? Yeah. Are they struggling to get in position? Like, are they struggling to hold the wheel? See, or, to like, me, like, follow that wheel? Or yeah. are they struggling with the power output to hold that wheel once everyone starts swarming up and starting their sprint i've had this experience it sounds like
0: they are in position maybe you know sec like second wheel back but kind of in the middle and then swarms you know essentially like a big group of people comes over one shoulder or the other and because they're kind of locked in place uh they don't have the ability to jump if the person in front of them doesn't jump they're kind of like getting jumped by like a proper lead out train in in the finale. And what I would say there is you kind of have two options. One is that you need someone else. You need a teammate or someone else who's willing to set you up and be that person who's making the swarm. And you have to be on the wheel that you know will be the one swarming. And if you don't, if you're freelancing, you do just have to say like, who tends to be, who am I getting swarmed by? And find them, like, base your positioning in the finale. If you're racing locally, racing the same people over and over, you have to, like, identify what the swarm is every time or who who are generally present in that and then get on them. Like, your position in that finale doesn't need to be, I need to be fifth wheel. It needs to be, I need to be on the train of the people that continually are swarming me in the last lap. And yeah, cuz if
1: you're if you're following someone like me in the last half lap, I'm really good at being fourth wheel and then finishing <laughs> in like 15. Like yeah. I'm not the guy to be like, oh, I'm fifth wheel behind this guy. Like find right. find the guys who are winning the races and just stick to their wheel. Like yeah. that's that's the answer. Ben is getting position and holding position,
0: but when it the sprint goes, he's going backwards. So if you're on the wheel of a Ben like you did a good job choosing the wheel to get you there, but you need to, you need to shift over one to the right or left before it really goes off. And, and the, the other thing I would say is no, go You ahead. might need to just reevaluate like the type of rider you are. You might need to say, uh, maybe either you need to train your sprint. And if it is like a power thing and you're just, you just don't have that pop to go against guys that are like pure out and out sprinters, uh, or, Maybe you need to train it or you just don't have it and you need to rethink like maybe you are the like kind of two to go flyer guy. Like yeah. you're the guy where when everyone's kind of jostling but no one wants to lead it out, you shoot off the front solo and hope to stick it. I mean, Rob um on our, Rob team, on our team, team is the king of that. Yeah. He had success with that
1: um at won, Athens Twilight. Like a two three at intelligentsia doing that. Yep. He won the Twilight Amateur Racer and Amateur Qualifier doing that. Amateur Qualifier, yeah. yeah. Like you got to figure out how you're able to win races like for me, like I'm a TT power guy, like I know if I go to the to the last 200 meters to go and I'm with somebody else, I'm going to lose that race because my sprint is all of 950 watts. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have to like find a way to get into that so you have to get separation before that yeah so you got to figure out like if you're not a sprinter if you don't have those white muscle fibers to put produce that kick you need to get a break and do a one lap fly or something right but like if you don't have that crazy one minute or you don't have that tt power then you've got to figure out okay who's winning the races who's can you know leading out who's going fastest because like yeah you're fourth wheel but if the guy to the left is coming up maybe you just move to the left a little bit and sort of like get that draft really quick I've done that before like you just yeah. or it could be just a general timidness too like I've coached guys who have a 1400 watt sprint at the end of a crit but they were afraid to rub shoulders. They were afraid to bump elbows. And so they weren't getting results because they were too timid. So it could be that too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we're not saying you get out there and like smack into people, but you also like you hold your space and you know, like this is, this is me. This is where I am. And I'm, when it goes fast, I'm going to go fast. I think a lot of people wait, wait for the race to happen to them. And when it gets fast, it just kind of like, there there's 2 or 3 seconds of them deciding if now is the time or whatever and and that's enough for it to be the end i know yeah. the asker of that question i know has watched a bunch of videos on my channel but i will say for anyone else go go back and watch a bunch of my crit videos i kind of talk through my thinking of of all of all of these things all of these situations in various i got a crit playlist on here you can go back and and watch which i hope to be adding to i've still technically got a separated shoulder um I can ride outside now so that's a step in the right direction but um
1: Wait.
0: yeah I I'm not supposed to be I can't fall on it or else I'm going to have to get surgery for another month or two so I'm going <laughs> to yeah I'm going <laughs> right. to be back out yeah. there like mid season this year we'll see um jeez Yeah uh so thanks everybody for hanging out um Check me out on the Criterium Nation podcast if you want to get one. Uh, I guess we're going to have one more episode before the first NCL race, right?
1: Um, I think... Let me look at the calendar. Yeah. Ooh, our, It'll be there yeah. like three days before. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> so there's going to be timing. plenty of NCL talk probably. Or there's also a a world where NCL releases like zero more actual information between then and now. So we may have another episode where we just... Pull up the NCL website and say they've made some posts and stuff, but none of them contain information.
1: They're they're doing this sales tactic where you give somebody just enough information to say yes to an appointment, and then but like not give them any actual real information for them to make a decision before you actually right. get an appointment. So like it'll be this weird thing where I'm hoping they like put all their cards out before. April 5th. So we have all the information. What I would really like to see is like, they like, okay, hey, these are the eight other squads that are competing. So we can actually do like a preseason analysis and like analyze the teams and stuff before then. So yep. we can actually do like a true like NCL deep dive preseason review before it actually happens.
0: Yep. Well, listen for me on, uh, on Criterion Nation this week we'll we'll be talking some and I think I think Rob's got some insider info so maybe we'll learn some stuff there and hopefully we'll learn even more before our next episode but thanks everybody for uh for watching thanks everybody for hanging out we'll see you guys next time yeah peace